Because if you don't include the resurrection, you don't have a gospel. You say, well, Jesus died. Isn't that good? Well, it's, if he died and he never rose again, that's not good. Not good for him. And it's certainly not good for you. Because there's many implications that go along with this. And so it's very important for us to understand this. The resurrection, what a wonderful, wonderful passage here. This entire passage really is a, the one that we read anyway, is a response to a heresy that was circulating in the church of Corinth back in the day of Paul. Now you have to understand back in that day there were certain sects that didn't believe in resurrection. For instance, in the day of Paul, in the day of Jesus, there were the Sadducees. And the Sadducees didn't believe that there was a resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. Now listen, if all you did was live for religion and for religious purposes and you had nothing beyond this earth's existence, you have things to be sad about. And the Sadducees were a sect that did not believe in the resurrection. During the time of Paul, he preached to the ancient Greeks. The ancient Greeks disdained the idea of a bodily resurrection. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 17, verse 32, they literally mocked Paul because of his preaching on the resurrection. They thought it was foolishness. And yet, uh, the gospel is foolishness to those who don't know Christ. But to us, praise the Lord, you know, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. But the Greeks didn't believe in that. After Paul's day, there was a, there was a I guess you could say a, an ism, if you would, that crept into the church. It was called Gnosticism. The Gnostics, it comes from the, the Greek word Gnosis or Gnosis, to know. And, you know, there was the intellectual people of the day. You know, the folks that say science speaks, and if science or if the truth, the Scripture contradicts science, then you believe science. Well, I want to tell you something. If science contradicts Scripture, you should believe the Scriptures. Amen? Because the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what you want to believe. The Word of God endures forever. You believe God. Let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care what science says. If it contradicts the Scriptures, you need to believe what God says over what the science says, because a lot of times it's science falsely so-called. And so, the Gnostics back in that day, they did not believe in the resurrection, and so that created problems for the early church as the church progressed. Today, we have what we call atheists, people who do not believe that there is a God. And folks, I don't care what people say, that there's not a God. They don't wish Him away. They don't think Him away. There is a God. And just because somebody says they don't think that there's a God, they have not eliminated God. They have not done away with God. And by the way, one day they will meet God. You say, well, they don't believe that. It does not matter. It does not matter. They will meet God one day. Because God is real and God made them and they're going to find out one day just exactly how real God is. And I hope and I pray that they would find out before they die. Because if they don't, then it will be eternally too late for them. So I trust that they will. There's agnostics who just basically don't know. But they need to find out that there simply is a resurrection and there is a God. Uh, a magazine called Premier Christianity, it's the UK's leading Christian magazine, and it had an article dated April 10, 2017. Now, this is, I understand this is the BBC, and this is over there in, in England, but I want to tell you something, we're usually not very far behind what's taking place over there in Europe. We're not quite the same, we don't have some of the same statistics, but they, uh, they uh, back in 2017, the BBC had a, a pretty, they commissioned a survey, and they found out that 46% of the people say that they believe in some form of life after death, and 46% of the people say that there is no such thing. 
half and half. Now here in, this, uh, in our country, we're closer to about two-thirds. Two-thirds of people in our country think that there is a resurrection. However, the, the numbers are smaller out in the Northeast, interestingly. The numbers are smaller as far as those who actually believe that there is a resurrection amongst those who make $100,000 or more per, per year. And the numbers are also smaller amongst men than they are of women. But nonetheless, statistically, a lot of people don't believe. There's a, there's a, there's a uh, sect of Christianity. I don't want to call it Christianity because I'm not even sure it is. Okay, Because if you don't believe in resurrection, you really don't have Christ, even though you might be proclaiming that you are a Christian. But nonetheless, that don't believe in the resurrection, this new progressive Christianity uh, that's coming on the scene... They don't believe that there is a resurrection. And there's a lot of things that they believe that are coming on the scene that completely contradict the scriptures. So it shouldn't surprise us that they don't believe what the scripture says about the resurrection when they do adamantly believe things that the scriptures uh, are, are very clear about and that violate the scriptures. And so what I'm trying to say is it was a, it was a problem in Paul's day and it's a problem today. It crept into the church in Paul's day. It creeps into it. It's in our culture today. So we have to realize this is a present reality. I won't say a reality. It's a present problem with the way people think today. How many of you ever heard of the domino effect? All right. So I mean, how, you know, how many of you play dominoes? This is how I play dominoes, okay? I just take them out, line them up. I think it's pretty cool. You know, you put them in little shapes, and boop, push them over, and just watch them just kind of run all the way to the table like that. This is how I play dominoes. I'm still learning. I think Mom and Glenn like to play dominoes. I haven't learned how to play it yet. You know, I've watched a few people play, but I don't know how to play. This is how I play it, though. But no, the domino effect. Uh, let me explain something about the domino effect. This is the domino effect of no resurrection. In other words, if you state or you believe that there is no resurrection, there is a domino effect that takes place. And Paul points out the domino effect of implications of this heretical notion. And so in our passage right here, I'm going to basically just point out to this rather quickly. We've gone over this before, but nonetheless... Uh, if you say that there is no resurrection, well, then what you're saying is that Christ is not risen. If you say there's no such thing as a resurrection, I don't believe in the resurrection from the dead, then what you're basically saying, according to verse number 13, is that Christ himself didn't rise. You are denying the very historical fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There is a lot of evidence there's more evidence that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose from the dead than there is a lot of the historical facts that you believe about the Roman Empire. We have a tremendous number of witnesses that saw Jesus Christ after he died. 501 times, the disciples and many people that saw Jesus Christ after he died. So for you to say that there's no resurrection of the dead, you literally... According to verse number 13, if you look at verse 13, we just read it a second ago here. It says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So basically when you say there's no resurrection of the dead, you at the same time are proclaiming that Christ himself did not rise. You are contradicting the very word of God. Well, uh, it goes on from there. Not only is that so, let me see if I'm still good. Our preaching is meaningless. Uh, if, if there's no resurrection from the dead and we're meeting together in this hope that one day when we die we're going to go and be to heaven and there's no such thing as us going to heaven, well then you're just wasting your time and I certainly am wasting mine. 
My preaching is absolutely meaningless if there's no resurrection of the dead. And so we need to reckon with this. It's a reality. And this is what Paul's preacher is saying right here. If you make this statement, if you and your church believe that there's no resurrection from the dead, you know, your doctrine starts tumbling, you see. Your hope starts tumbling, and you're, you're living for absolutely nothing. It goes on. He says, your faith is worthless. Verse number 14. Uh, in verse number 14, he says here, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. So basically, Paul's saying, I'm wasting my time. This is useless. It's fruitless. This is absolutely meaningless for me to be out here. And Paul literally risked his life with this message. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was, if you read in Corinthians, you find out so many of the different perils that the Paul found himself in because he proclaimed the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, he says, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also in vain. What, what is it that you are believing? You know, he says in Acts, he says, when he was talking to King Agrippa, King Agrippa, is it such a hard thing for us to believe that God could raise somebody from the dead? I mean, if God could literally speak the creation to existence, do we think it's too hard for God to take and take one of those that he created and raise them from the dead? The all-powerful God, nothing's too hard for God. Nothing's impossible with God. We shouldn't believe that that was too hard for God to achieve. Dear believer, if you believe in a God who made heaven and earth and created it all in six days, and you believe that, that God did the miraculous things that you read about in the Old Testament, the resurrection is no problem. But if you deny it, if you deny it, then your faith is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Well, it goes on. Okay, your faith is worthless, it's in vain, it's useless, and we are false witnesses. Paul's, Paul's going around preaching the resurrection. So if there is no resurrection, Paul's basically saying, I'm a liar. And everybody that proclaims the truth that there is a resurrection, they're lying too. That means I'm a liar. If there's no resurrection, I'm sitting here lying to you. But I'm not lying to you. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm telling you what God says, amen? So not, I haven't made this up. I'm telling you what God says. God knows what happened. He was there. God had his prophets recorded. God preserved it for us so that we have it today. We have it today because we need it today. We need the teaching. We need the doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's, I'll tell you some reasons why in a minute. If there's no resurrection, you must pay for your own sins. Look at verse number 17. Kind of frightening when you think about it. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And we already kind of mentioned that. But then what's the implication of your faith being vain? Ye are yet in your sins. In other words, the penalty of your sin is still on your soul. In other words, you still have to pay for your own sins. When someone said, I thought Christ paid for us. Wait a second. If Christ went around preaching that he was going to rise from the dead and he did not rise from the dead, what did he tell us? A what? A lie. A lie. If Christ told us a lie, he can't be our Savior. Because our Savior has to be sinless. You know this teaching that Christ was a great teacher? You know they believe that Christ was just a great moral teacher? Hold a second. If Christ is a great moral teacher and he made claims that are not true, then you can't claim Christ is a great moral teacher. You have to believe what he said and believe who he is. 
He's God. You see, and he claimed to be. And so for you to deny that would be to deny him. And if you say that he did not rise from the dead, then you're basically saying that Christ's sin and our Savior is no longer a Savior. That means you'd pay for your own sins. God's still a holy God. That means you have to pay for your own sins. He came on the scene claiming to be something he wasn't. You have to still pay for your own sins. That's a serious implication. I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want that on my soul. But again, I'm not making this up. I'm telling you what the Scripture says. This is Paul's argument. This is the domino effect. If you say there's no resurrection, all these dominoes, these doctrinal dominoes begin to fall. You're, 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 you're saddled with some very sad implications as a result of this. If Christ, if there's no resurrection of the dead, number six, then your loved ones are forever lost. Wow, that's pretty serious, wouldn't you say? Verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ. In other words, when they say fallen asleep in Christ, he's talking about the Corinthians who had loved ones who died and they had the hope that when they died they'd be resurrected and that they would be with God. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If there's no resurrection, they're not present with the Lord. Kathy Chadwick, you're pretty happy today. Your mama and your daddy are pretty happy today. Some of you have family members right now that are in heaven with Jesus Christ. They're happy today. They're waiting for you. And some of you are just waiting for your chance to go. We're all waiting for it. If the trumpet blew right now, I think we'd all go up shouting. Amen? Amen. Yes, because we have the hope of the resurrection. And so it's important for us to realize just how important this is for our loved ones. Man, I can go to a funeral of a, of a dear believer in Christ and I can rejoice. I don't rejoice because they've lost a loved one. I, I don't rejoice because of the, 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 hurt, the, the emptiness in their heart that they're going to experience. But I know, I know that they're going to see their loved one again. I remember when my dad died back in 1994. And uh, we gathered around my dad's bedside there in the hospital in Miami. And we sang his favorite songs. And we rejoiced. And Dad went to be with the Lord. About 9 o'clock, we left the hospital room. It wasn't 30 minutes, and Dad, the Lord Jesus took my dad, and, and he went to heaven, and, and Dad was with the Lord. We had our funeral service, and we went, and we took the casket out to the cemetery. It was a military cemetery, and so we went out there, and we gathered around the, the casket, and we all held hands, and we all sang because we knew where Dad is. Amen? But wait a minute. If there's no resurrection, we wouldn't have had a song in our heart. We would have been stricken with grief. Our hearts would have been heavier than heavy because of the fact we would have no hope. We'd never see him again. And so this is an implication here. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. I mean, they're gone. They've died. And uh, serious implication. We, uh, when you start saying something like that, you've got to be careful where your, doctrinal, where your doctrinal deviations lead you because of the fact that it certainly doesn't Make uh, for good preaching, for sure. And he says in verse number 19, we are all of all men most miserable. Verse number 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. In other words, if the only thing that we have hope for is, is the here and now. whatever, However long the here and now is for us. 
It might be 10 years, it might be 15, it might be 80, I don't know. But if that's all we've got, he says, we're all men most miserable. If we keep ourselves from doing things and that, that it doesn't make any difference, we're just a bunch of miserable, pitiable people. That's all we are. Playing a game called Christianity. But oh, no, no, folks, it's not a game. It's reality. It's reality. What God tells us in his word is true. And we as believers need to, we need to just take this to heart. It is so important that we do. And so, I, I, so, so in light of this, in light of what Paul is saying, I, I say to all of us, the resurrection matters. Would you agree with that? So let's say that with me. The resurrection matters. It matters. It's not, it's not a, a meanless thing. It's an important thing. The resurrection matters. So let me, first of all, it matters to God. The resurrection matters to God. Uh, can God resurrect the dead? We say, well, yes. And so there's an indictment when you say that there's no resurrection. You are literally saying, well, then God couldn't do it. You see, it's in God, you see, it's important for God that there be a resurrection because God's all-powerful. He can do all things. Nothing's impossible with God. But if there's no resurrection, then there is something that's impossible with God. And if it's impossible to God, we're all in trouble, you see. So it, it's important to God. He says, verse 15, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Now listen to what he's saying now here. Paul's saying that if there's no resurrection, then we are false witnesses of God because God is the one who has told us. Paul was inspired of the Lord in what he wrote. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God the Spirit literally spoke to Paul and told him what to write. And that's what we're reading this morning, okay? This is the Scripture God gave Paul. And so he says we're witnesses of God. Because we have testified, look at it says again, of God. Our testimony is not of our own self, you see. Our testimony comes from, the, from God himself. God has told us what to write on these matters. He says, because we have testified of God that who raised up Christ? God. Who? God. God raised up Christ. So we have... God has told us that God himself raised Christ from the dead. He says, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. So in other words, this is an indictment against God himself. The resurrection matters to God. It matters to us, but we'll get there. But it matters to God that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen. Well, let me give you a few reasons. First of all, God's testimony is on the line. Okay, Paul's saying, I'm reporting to you, I'm testifying to you what God himself says. We're God's prophets, we're God's, we're, we're, we're God's mouthpiece, and we're telling you what God says about the resurrection. If the resurrection is not true, then, then God's not true. God's testimony is on the line here. We have to understand this. God's testimony... God says over and over, it says in the scriptures over and over, verse 15, yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. When Paul preached to the Jews, I'm sorry, when Peter preached to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost there, Peter says, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. 
among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God by him in the midst, which God did by him in the midst of you as yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified the slain, whom God hath raised up. Uh, let me see, maybe you didn't hear that. Whom God hath raised up. Amen. That's right. God raised Jesus from the dead. If, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then God is impotent in this particular matter. And then God lied in this particular matter. You see what I'm saying? His, 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 his testimony is on the line. God's power then would be insufficient. If God couldn't raise him up, then God didn't have the power to raise him up. Now, if he didn't raise Christ up, who was his own, <laughs> what does it look like for us? Pretty serious. God's promises would be unfulfilled. Listen, if you, if, if you can't count on the promises of God, if all the, the, the truth in God is yea and amen, if we can't believe everything that God says, if we have to pick and choose because we're not sure which is and which isn't, we're in trouble. But see, then his promises, if... His word, he said he would raise Christ from the dead. But if his word is broken in this manner, then, then you see what that does to God. His promises are on the line here. God's prophets would be liars. We've already said this, but Paul himself would be a liar. I would be a liar. All the Old Testament prophets would be liars because the fact if you can't, if God's word is not reliable, then how can we proclaim it as though it is true for everyone? God's son would be dead. Do you understand that if Christ died and did not rise from the dead, then the only begotten of the Father would be dead forever? That's pretty serious. Do you see what I'm saying? The resurrection matters to God. It matters to God. And we have to understand just how important. Again, these dominoes, you know, you, you say some of these things, and we don't realize sometimes what, what our words can do, how devastating devious doctrines like these can be to all of Christianity. And God's kingdom would have no future. Why? Well, the king of kings died. And the king of kings is no longer. And if you don't have the king of kings, you don't have the kingdom of God. You see what I'm saying, folks? All of these things are just implications of what happens if Christ did not rise from the dead. If there is no resurrection, Christ did not rise from the dead, all of these are implications. So we have to be careful what we, what we say. We have to be careful what we think is important and not important. The Word of God is important, and especially the resurrection, the doctrine of the resurrection. And God's people would be what? That's right. You, me, we all would be absolutely hopeless. Because if our king died and our king didn't rise again, what's going to happen to us? We'd be hopeless. That's why we would be all, of all men, most miserable. Because we'd be living a lie and then we'd die in the lie and then for eternity we'd be separated from God because of the lie. So it, it means something to God. The resurrection matters to God. This is an important thing. Over and over again, Peter preached Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24, Acts chapter 3, verse 15, Acts chapter 4, verse 10, Acts chapter 13, verse 37, and on and on, Peter preached that God raised Christ from the dead. So the resurrection matters to who? The resurrection matters to who? It matters to God. Well, it matters to somebody else, too. It matters to Christ. The resurrection matters to Christ. First of all, who does it matter to? God. Who else does it matter to? 
You say, what do you mean it matters to Christ? Well, it says here, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. If Christ isn't risen, don't you think that would matter to him? I would say so. I mean, folks, this is not really, um, this is not really tough logic here, okay? Uh, this is pretty, pretty understandable right here. It matters to Christ. Let me ask you a question. If you didn't rise from the dead, would it matter to you? Well, certainly it would. And it matters to Christ, too. But there was a lot more on the line for Christ than it is for you and I. Yes, there's still an eternity apart from God, but there was a lot on the line for Christ when you think about it. Because Christ made a lot of claims. He made a lot of claims. Jesus said he would rise again. You say, where to say that? Well, Matthew chapter 16, for one, verse 21. He said, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So before this ever took place, Jesus told his disciples and taught his disciples that this was going to happen. So the very word of God is on the line. Christ's word is on the line right here. Do you see how important it is? Listen, if Jesus lied here, if Jesus didn't come through here, what would that mean of the words of Christ? So you see how important it is. Jesus said that he would rise again. Jesus said he would resurrect himself. You say, well, where does it say that? I'm glad you asked. In John chapter 2, in verse number 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now he said that in Jerusalem, and so some of them misunderstood, and they thought he was talking about Herod's temple. But he wasn't talking about Herod's temple. He was talking about the temple of his body. And if you read the latter chapters of the, of, the, of the gospel accounts, you'll find out that the Pharisees and the mockers and the scoffers were going back. <laughs> he that said that he would raise up the temple in three days, let's see him come down off the cross and rise again. Yeah. You see, they knew those words. They rehearsed those words to him. They wagged their fingers at him while he was on the cross and basically in a mocking tone says, oh, you said you could do this. Look at you now. You see what's on the line? See, Christ is the one that made this claim. And they knew the claim. And they understood it. And so they were thrown in his face while he's there suffering on the cross. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't come down, Amen. He had something much better in store than what the world thought. And so he said he would resurrect himself. He said, destroy this temple. Three days, I'll rise it up again. He told Mary that he was the resurrection and the life. Now, remember, Lazarus died, right? And Lazarus was in the grave four days. And Mary and Martha are very concerned about this. And so Jesus shows up a little late. And then the Lord talks about the fact that he can, he can raise him. And, and, and he said, uh, oh, Lord, by this time he stinketh. He's four days. He's not going to smell. He's decaying already. The Lord is no way. And then Jesus said, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Amen. I am the resurrection 
You see who you're talking to here. I am the resurrection. He says, do you believe this? Well, it was quite a passage right there. So Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In other words, I, I know that's supposed to happen in the future. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection of the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. You want to look at that later. Wonderful passage. Wonderful truth. His word is at stake. Kind of been saying this, but nonetheless, in Matthew chapter 27, here we have the cross scene. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 41 through 43. Because again, Jesus made this claim, right? We talked about the claim that he made back in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. And so he made this claim. You, you, you destroy this temple and I'll rise it up again in three, three days. All right, now we're at the cross. Now Jesus is hanging on the cross. Now here come these folks by making fun of him. And in Matthew chapter 27, 41 through 43, it says, Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders. So here are all the religious, you know, uppity-ups, okay? They're coming by. They're mocking Jesus, verse 42, and he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come now, come down from the cross, and we will believe him. Oh, you will, will you? You will, will you? He did better than come down off the cross. He did a lot better than come down off the cross. Those famous words, we'll believe him. Oh, yeah. Wait and see here. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will save him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what's at stake here? The world knew, the religious crowd knew what Jesus claimed. They knew what Jesus said he would do. And they thought, no way it's going to happen now. Ha <laughs> ha. This is a neat story, isn't it? His entire reputation was at stake because of this. You know, his life was at stake. Again, if Jesus didn't rise, he ends up dead forever. I mean, his entire life is at stake right here. Not to mention the fact that his kingdom is at stake. In John chapter 18, verse 20, 37, Pilate said unto him, Art thou then a king? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I'm a king. That's what you say. To this end was I born. In other words, this is how it's going to turn out when it's all said and done. You will see that I am the king of the Jews. To this end was I born. He says, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. I had Pilate shaking in his boots. Pilate all of a sudden decided he better free this guy. He doesn't want to be on the wrong side of this guy. The only problem was he was a political puppet or a religious puppet at that particular time. So he was just doing what the people did, had him do. So the resurrection matters to who first? God. And the resurrection matters to who also? And both Christ and God, of course, we're talking about the same person, two different people of the, Trinity, of the, of the, of the Godhead. But it matters to them. But that's not all. The resurrection matters to his disciples. It matters to his disciples. <laughs> now put your shoes, your feet in their shoes. All right? 
They watched Jesus Christ do everything. They watched him do miracles. They watched him raise the dead. They watched him heal the sick. They watched him see crippled people walk again. They watched him uh, help blind people to see. There was nothing Jesus couldn't do. They were on the sea. It was tempestuous. They thought they were going to die. Jesus says, peace be still. The winds and the waves cease. And they say, what manner of man is this? So they literally watched Jesus Christ control all the elements of the world. And now here he is. Even the demons, when he spoke, the demons fled. And so they, they didn't think that anything was too hard for Jesus. But wait a second now. Now their leader, now the one who they believed to be the Messiah, now the one that they followed, now the one that they had hopes would be the Messiah, the reigning king, that he would give them literally that this would give them dominance, that they, they would no longer be under the yoke of the Roman Empire, and they would see a political gain, and, and they would see themselves at the right and the left hand of Jesus Christ, ruling and reigning with him, and so they had these great hopes. But now they see their king on a cross. And now they see their hopes on a cross. Now they see their hopes being crucified before their very eyes, and they see the cruel treatment. Now, if they did that to your leader, who do you think's next? You know why his disciples fled? Buddy, because they saw what happened to him and he knew that they were next. That's why when Jesus, I mean, Peter was in the, in the watching and following Christ afar off when that lady walked up and says, Ah, you're one of his disciples. I am not. I am not one of his disciples. I don't know what you're talking about. Some of you are like, yeah, I saw you, you, you had that Galilean accent, you, you, you were with him too. Oh no, I was not, oh I was not. Why was Peter just a few chapters earlier so adamant that he would die for Christ? Now he's denying him on every turn. And finally he was accused again. And he denied vehemently and he cursed and he swore thinking that his language would keep him uh, uh, distanced enough from the accusation. And then, <laughs> sorry folks, that's the best rooster I got. <laughs> oh boy, if it was me crowing, nobody would wake up, amen? Maybe that'd be good. But anyway, the cock crew. And Peter was convicted because Jesus says, Peter, you're so confident of yourself, but let me tell you something. Before that cock crows, you'll have thrice denied me that you even know me. It mattered to the disciples of Jesus. Listen, if, if Jesus didn't rise again, there, you wouldn't see it. They probably would have taken the disciples and done likewise. Some of them did die. All of them did die. Daniel told us last week on Sunday night, every single one of the disciples the 12 apostles died a martyr's death. So, yeah, the religious crowd had their contract out on their lives. But before that happened, these men were convinced in their heart of hearts because they knew he died. And they also saw him after he died. And they went about with a convincement that nobody else could convince them of. Because they saw the risen Christ. You see, it did matter to the apostles. Come on back here. We go here. Here we go. So chapter 15, verse 15. Yea, we are found false witnesses because 
We have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If he raised not up, it be that Christ, uh, the dead, not rise not. Now, this is Paul's testimony, but this would be the same testimony that the apostles would have had, same exact testimony, because they, too, were proclaiming the same thing Paul was proclaiming. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Now, again, sometimes we look at the uh, opening statements of some of our Bible books, and we just kind of read them because they're kind of like, you know, uh, uh, opening words, and they kind of seem customary. But listen to what he says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Remember, this is Peter. This is the one who denied Jesus three times. Listen to what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively what? A lively what? A lively hope. He could have just said hope, and that would have been good enough, wouldn't it? But he says a lively hope. In other words, a hope that is infused with vigor. They did not have that hope when they were hiding up in the upper room. They didn't have that hope when they thought perhaps the Pharisees and the Sadducees would be looking for them next. They were scared fishermen. They were looking for a way out. And even after they saw the Lord the first time, they were still a little bit discouraged. Peter says, I go a fishing. And his other disciple says, well, Peter, if you're going fishing, we're going with you. In other words, I'm going to go back to the old life. It was a little more peaceful doing what I used to do out there in the water trying to catch them old fish. But who shows up on the shore? Hey, fellas! Have you any meat? They fished all night. They didn't have a thing. Not one single thing. No, we don't have any meat. Cast your net on the other side. John goes, That's Jesus. Don't you remember he said that the last time we were out here fishing all night and didn't catch anything? <laughs> That's Jesus. Buddy Peter was in the water swimming to the Lord. Guess what Jesus had on the shore? Fish. Already caught, already clean, already cooked. That's a good message, isn't it? <laughs> caught, clean, and cooked, amen? <laughs> Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Now, I don't know what the these is. I kind of think I, think I would think more than these fish. Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Well, perhaps was it, Peter, remember, you said, though everybody forsakes me, that you wouldn't. Do you really love me more than these? Do you, Peter? You see, it mattered that Jesus was resurrected to the disciples. Because if those disciples weren't infused with a lively hope, I guarantee you they would not have taken to the gospel to all the different continents and taken the word of God and spread the God all throughout Asia Minor and all throughout the known world at that time. They wouldn't have done it. They would have been too scared to do it. They might not have lived long enough to do it. So it did matter to them. It says, has begotten us again into a lively hope. And, and what was the... What was the basis of this lively hope? What did it say? By the what? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We didn't have a lively hope until we saw him again. And when we saw him again, buddy, our hope came alive. 
We were infused with spiritual life. We were encouraged. That's why they went to the crosses. That's why they burned at stakes. That's why they were flayed and, and, and left to die. That's why they were willing to do those things because they had a lively hope because they saw Jesus Christ with their own eyes. Risen from the dead. They knew he died and they knew he lived after he died. Amen? A lively hope. It needs to create the same thing in us. It needs to create a lively hope in us. Their life and ministry depended upon it. They were ready to give it up. They were in hiding. They were ready to go back to fishing. Their hope and vigilance were linked to it. The verse makes it pretty plain. And they would eventually die because of what they believed, because of what they saw, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it mattered to his disciples. So it mattered, first of all, to whom? I've got to wake you up a little bit here. It mattered first of all to whom? God. It mattered second of all to whom? Christ. It mattered third of all to whom? Christ. Disciples. But that's not all. It matters to believers who died. It matters to the believers who died. Now, again, we go back to verse number 18 to refresh our memories as to what it said. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Does it matter to Kathy Chadwick today? Does it matter to your born-again grandma? Does it matter to you when you have that child that perhaps leaves this earth a little prematurely in your mind? Does that matter to you about, the, about where that child ends up? Sure it does. It sure does. Folks, we need to realize part of the thing that gives us comfort in this life is the fact that there is a resurrection. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If there's no resurrection, your loved ones are gone forever. When you come and we have a funeral, that casket is opened up and you look at the face of that loved one you'll never see them ever again. Kelly's going to see your daddy again. going to see your mommy again. Yeah, hallelujah. That's right. I'm going to see my dad again too. That's not the last look. Matter of fact, the next one, they're going to look pretty good. I don't know what they're going to look like. Maybe they're going to recognize them because they're going to have that, you know, that youth, you know what I mean, that... Uh, I don't know, maybe we'll all have white hair running around like, you know, like Olympians. I'm not sure, but uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion. Their bodies are going to be rejuvenated. Well, their bodies are going to be rejuvenated. I don't know what they're going to look like, but we'll see. But it's going to be a wonderful time. Death will be final. It'll be final. It'll be the last thing. Brother Dan wants to see his wife again. It'd be a sad thing to think that he'd never see her again. That was final. It'd be a sad thing. But it's not final. It's not final. But these are the implications, folks. These are the implications if you start believing that there's no resurrection from the dead. And I'm trying to tell you these things because, in fact, we need to think about our statements. We need to think about what people are saying. And I understand that this world thinks they can think everything, figure everything out. 
But faith doesn't figure everything out. Faith just believes some things because God said it. Amen? God said it, I believe it. The future would be hopeless for those if they didn't have a resurrection. Verse 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So if that's all there is, the only hope that we have is just what Christ can do for us in this whatever, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, then he says, you know, that's just misery. He said, you're just, it's just a big game you're playing. Oh, no, it's not, though. Hallelujah for that. Well, it matters to somebody else, though. Almost done. We're getting there. It matters to who? It matters to who? Yeah, I'm glad you say that. Me. It matters to who? I'm going, you, it matters to me, it matters to you, it matters to me, it matters to us. The resurrection matters to us. Verse 20 through 22. But now have Christ risen from the dead, become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam and die, in Christ shall all be made what? Alive. Alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you what, I can't wait till I can see better. Amen. I can't wait till I can hear better. Amen. Wait a minute now. I think that one backfired on me, okay. <laughs> yeah. When these bodies are made anew, amen, this resurrected body, hallelujah, I'm looking forward to that. And my wife is too. <laughs> yes, in Christ shall all be made alive. It matters to you. You will live with Christ how long? Forever, Forever Paul says, we'll be with the Lord. Forever. That's a wonderful thing. Your future is secure. Amen? Amen? Resurrection, if it's true, it is true. Your future is secure. You're going to be raised from the dead. You'll be with Christ, and forever you will be with the Lord. Isn't that good? Amen. Paul says, you know what? I, he says, I know I have a purpose down here, but, he says, but you know what? If it wasn't for the purpose out here, I'd just as soon be with Christ, because to live with Christ is far better. He knew where, if he died in one of those, one of those persecutions, one of those stonings, or one of those uh, perils that he was involved in, he knew where he was going. He was probably saying, man, come on, throw another one. <laughs> you missed. <laughs> Paul knew where he'd be. But he also knew he had a ministry down here. He had something he was supposed to do, and so do we. Your hope is alive. Your witness is extremely important. Guess who needs to tell the rest of the folks that don't believe in the resurrection that the resurrection is true? Guess who? You. That's right. You, me. It's our job. Somebody told me. Somebody told you, and you need to tell somebody else. You say, man, oh, my life's tough down here. Why does God leave me here? I'll tell you one reason he leaves you here, because you need to tell somebody else about what Jesus did for them. You see, he did it for you, and you believe it, and you believe there's a resurrection. You say there's a resurrection. You say you believe the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. You believe that when they die, if they trust Christ as their Savior, they're going to be forever with Jesus Christ. They're not going to suffer the punishment of hell forever. They're going to be with Christ forever. They're, they're, they're redeemed. They're not condemned. There's no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. This is wonderful. Who's going to tell people that? Do you think that the, that, uh, the radio is going to, or the, the television stations, the uh, media is going to get out there and start preaching the gospel to everybody? Uh, they can't tell us the truth about anything. They're not going to tell us the truth about Jesus. You see, 
God leaves Christians here because we have the truth. And we need to share the truth that we have. Because if we don't, they won't know. How shall they hear except there be a what? A preacher. And guess who God wants you to be? He said, no, 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 preacher, that's your job. No, we're all preachers. We're all preachers. God wants all of us to proclaim the truth of his death, burial, and resurrection. The Great Commission is not just the pastors and missionaries. The Great Commission is to all who believe. All of us need to be preachers of this. The ministry has eternal significance. Do you realize that when you tell somebody about Jesus Christ, and if they accept your testimony and they believe on Jesus Christ, do you realize that their soul will be forever delivered from condemnation? Do you realize that they will forever they'll be in heaven? Do you realize what a part in their life you have? I had a friend when I was a teenager, invited me to church services, invited me to youth rallies. I wasn't interested in Christ. I had nothing to do with Christ. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't interested in taking my Sundays and going to some building and sitting there on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning. I was without Christ, and I didn't know what I was missing. But I had a friend who prayed for me, and his parents prayed for me. Inviting me to the meeting where I found out the truth that would save my soul. And I trusted Christ as my Savior on a Tuesday night in June 1973. And I am forever grateful that that Christian realized he needed to spread the gospel to his Christian buddies. To his uh, high school buddies. I wasn't a Christian until he brought me to the place where I heard the truth and the truth set me free. Amen? Folks... There's eternal significance here. The resurrection matters. And one more, and we're done. The resurrection matters to those who have yet to die. For since by man came death, that's Adam. By man came also the resurrection of the dead, that's Christ. For as in Adam all what? But in Christ all shall be made what? Oh, hallelujah. It matters to all those who have not yet died. So, Pastor, I I got some people that I work with that they have no interest in this. It still matters to them. It matters to your family. It matters to your neighbors. It matters to your coworkers. It matters to your acquaintances. Folks, it does matter. You see, well, they don't think so. It, that's the thing that doesn't matter, okay? What matters is that you know the truth and you have the spiritual vitality to share the truth with those who don't know. It matters to them. It matter, it's a matter of life and death. That's precisely what the verse says here. And Adam all die and all of the people who aren't in Christ are in Adam. And they're all destined for eternal death and separation from God. But what changes all that when we become in Christ? Well, how do you get in Christ? You, by faith, you receive Christ. And when by faith you receive Christ, Christ comes inside of you and lives within you. Now you're in Christ and he's in you. God gives you spiritual life. God gives you eternal life. And you will never perish. Neither will any man pluck you out of the hand of Jesus, nor will any man pluck you out of the hand of the Father. You are eternally secure. 
Eternal life versus eternal death. This is what the matter is. See, it matters to everybody. It literally matters to everybody. We have the truth. Amen? Amen. You do. You have the truth. Oh, Pastor, I don't know exactly what to say. Oh, listen, just get over it. You know how to talk. You know, you go to the drive-in and, you know, you sit there, you don't know what you're going to get. You stumble around, you end up with your hamburger. Okay? You go someplace and you need something. Before you know it, you finally have communicated whatever it is you were going there for. You can speak and you can tell people what you know about Jesus Christ. This is not rocket science. You can share the truth of what you know. We have tracks. You can simply take a track and you can just read the track to them. You can give the track to them. There's all kinds of ways that you can reach people. Don't let the devil tell you that you don't know enough that you can't help somebody. You can. You can. You can share the truth with somebody that can set them free. We have the truth. They have a choice. We have to give them the choice. See, well, they don't know they can go to heaven. Well, guess what? You need to bring the choice to their to, to, to confront them with a choice. Hey, you don't have to stay on your merry way to eternal destruction. You can have Christ as your Savior. He can change your life and set you free and put you on the path to everlasting life. You can, you can have that if you so desire. You can't make them get saved. None of us can, but you can give them the choice. You can give them the truth so that they have a choice. And that's our responsibility. This all happens because there's a resurrection. So I review. The resurrection what? Matters. The resurrection what? Matters. It matters. It matters. Why? It matters to God. Why? It matters to Christ. It matters to his disciples. It mattered. It matters to those who have died. The believers, that is. It matters to you. And it matters to those who have yet to die. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I want you to think about the fact that the resurrection matters. It matters.